Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Bhutang Dhammang Sankhang Namasami. So this is the last talk of this 2013 Rains Retreat. And already some people are getting ready to go. Some of you have been here for so many years. Every year it's always slightly different. And uh, the practice we do here uh, is a very uh, focused on meditation, but also balanced with the service to the community as well. And of course, you know, I practice that by example as well, just return by trying to serve the uh, nuns community with a very heavy schedule in Malaysia, raising funds for their <coughs> their project. And I'm very happy to do that. You have this beautiful sense of selflessness, which is basically just doing what needs to be done and not really thinking too much more about it. And sometimes when you use your rational part of your mind, there's all sorts of reasons why not to do these things, but I never trust that mind. I'm more like trust the emotional mind. It feels this is the appropriate thing to do. It should be done. And all the reasons why you shouldn't do it, I distrust those. Most of them come from what we call defilements. And so by feeling my way through my life as a senior monk, teacher, and just just a plain old meditator, it's always a case of doing what needs to be done right now. And following that intuition, for want of a better word, that emotional part of your brain is very helpful for meditation. I said this to someone, I think, over in in uh, Malaysia. It's one of those little sayings which can be quite controversial, but this is just my experience teaching meditation for such a long time. That the female seems to have a better chance of getting into samadhi and stillness, or rather a faster journey. But then the male makes up afterwards by being able to get the understanding and the insight from it afterwards. Maybe that's the reason why that all these males focus on insight meditation. But anyway, (coughs) it is the case that you try and balance those two approaches. And I certainly do know that the way to get into deep meditation is very much a feely-feely, a skill with the emotional part of the mind. Because, you know, the rational part of my mind, I just never, never trust that much. Yeah, it's helpful. Sometimes I use that rationality just to actually to clear away the debris of stupid ideas. But when it comes to, to, to powering the mind into the deep meditations, it seems like inspiration, gratitude, loving kindness, you know, those joyful uh, parts of your mind, those are the ones which I really try and develop. And when I do go overseas, I mean, that's what keeps me running. It's not the three-in-ones which Burr give me. It's just the inspiration. It's amazing just sometimes you take, you know, one or two of those and it just doesn't work. 
being you know, too tired, but still the inspiration, which is what really drives you, you know, the joy of being able to serve. And that is the same thing which you parlay into the deep meditations, <coughs> and which gives you the happiness of monastic life, of actually being here. It's an inspiring place here and in Jhana Grove and in Dharmasara. And sometimes that you need to go overseas to be able to appreciate that. And I did give Fabian some advice, you know, the Fabian who's still here, just sitting to my right, that you know, he thought he wasn't getting anywhere with his meditation. I said, the next chance there is, go into town and go into a shopping center. And apparently he was a very good disciple. He followed that advice. And I was told from his friends, that, wow. I mean, it's amazing just how the difference, you know, staying in Jhanagrove or this monastery or in Dharmasara, you may all complain that it's too busy, but <laughs> this is nothing compared to what goes on outside. I, and I just, you know, been four or five days out there in the world, going through airports, waiting for delayed planes, and goodness knows what else. And just this place is a heaven realm. Jhana Grove, Dharmasara, so please do not complain about this place. You know, you're crazy if you do. This is amazing, just how peaceful, how comfortable, and just how pressure-free for most of you. Of course, we can make pressures any time we want. Even living in heaven, you can make a hell out of it by complaining the ambrosia is not sweet enough, the music is not delicious enough, the clouds aren't soft enough. It's amazing whatever people do. So this is a beautiful monastery. And the nice thing about this is learning how not to have that complaining mind. You know, if, uh, I should actually mention to, especially the monks over here, and Dhammasara and all the lay people here as well, that uh, last night I did launch the second volume of Opening the Door of Your Heart. In Singapore it's called Good, Bad, Who Knows. Even I haven't looked inside to see what sort of job they've done. Just spent a couple of hours just signing my autograph on these things before and after the talk last night, one of the reasons why it tired me out. Brought back 200 copies. You cannot have any yet. There's a fundraiser for the nuns' monastery. So the, <coughs> the ones which we can have will come later on. But just actually doing that, sitting there, you know, really tired, having come from the fundraiser in Malaysia, get on the aircraft and straight to Singapore and just do the same thing again, signing, 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 signing books. Why do you do that and how can you do that? And give a smile to every person because every person, even though they're standing in that queue, the long queue for such a long time, to get that little autograph and that photograph. And it's important for them. And for me, I get inspired. It's very easy to find fault and to complain. But as soon as I start doing that in my life, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to get just so negative. In my life, there's so much to complain about if I really wanted to. You exploit me. I am exploited. I realize that. You know, sometimes that you know it's a nice soft monastery, <laughs> and sometimes you might complain, "Why do you like these other people to come in here?" You should ask, "Why do I allow you to come in here?" <laughs> Stay. But no, you just that kindness. I think is so important, not being such a fault finder, but being sort of open-hearted. 
that gives a lot of joy and compassion and kindness and it's one of the things which you can spread out there in the world if you are very uh, what is it called not so much an open but an exclusive monastery uh, where you reject too many people it loses its heart and when it loses its heart it doesn't really become a Buddhist monastery anymore you find that people become very strict angry stiff and they don't have that softness necessary to get into the deep meditation states you know the way I am which many of you know I, my wisdom tells me that's so important to develop the deep meditations sometimes people think no you need more time to do the deep meditations some of you may think you know the range retreat is almost over oh my goodness I haven't got anything yet don't ever think like that it's just the nature of your mind if you sort of keep complaining or even if you start counting the days there's only a few days left that's a stupid way of using your mind all the time that said this so often present moment awareness this is the only time you have now is the moment your future is being made so you put all your attention right now and doesn't care how many days there are left for this retreat the only day you ever have is right now and the only moment you ever have is right now and when you start planning the future you are missing this present moment and the doors to enlightenment are closed for you you've got to come home in this moment just be right here and sometimes that you get tired in this present moment because you've been doing too much but it is the inspiration the gratitude all these powerful sort of emotions which can run you and drive you to so that you can do all this hard work for others you know the two or three of you apparently were working really hard on Brian Creek's apartment why are you doing that it's because it's again raising mon money for the nuns monastery so that nuns can have these beautiful salas and places where people can come you've been working your butts off tonight when you go back to your room remember what you've done and why you've done it and just meditate for, for five minutes and get the joy coming up inside your heart use that joy that happiness and look sometimes it works for me it may not work for you at the very least when you remember all the great stuff you've done at least you'll have a beautiful night's sleep if not sometimes <laughs> it happens to be it's weird you get into this inspiration stuff and even though you should be dead on your feet and just crash out in your cave from where I live you just can't do that you just get inspired you get energized it is illogical until you realize the way this mind works it does not work the way the body works the body you know it's just physical you know it runs on tea and condensed milk if you're Ajahn Brahm or coffee if you're Ajahn Chittapala I think he likes coffee don't you anyway whatever it runs on you know that sometimes that's the body runs on such stuff but the mind is something very different it runs not on physical food it runs on this, this beautiful emotions of energy which come just by doing inspiring things serving that's why it just makes such a big thing and I was saying that to some who was it I think it was actually one of the nuns I think I saw Sumangala over in uh, over in uh, in uh, Malaysia and I was just telling her look if you just stay by yourself and just meditate you won't get very far you've got to do some service you really have to sort of get in there 
and create this source of joy and happiness. And then it's just so easy to be still when you come from a place of happy contentment, feeling that you've actually done a good day. And when you do that, it really means that you drive your practice of meditation and Dhamma. And it inspires other people as well. You know, it's the fact that you know you don't live in a vacuum. That <coughs> it's because of all the hard work we do here, all the teachers, and it's not just me. It's <coughs> many other people who actually help out in Dhammasar and Jana Grove and other places. It's an inspire inspiration for people, and that's why you can go. I can go to Malaysia and raise funds. You're not asking for money. They say thank you for giving us the opportunity. We know it. Bodhinyana Monastery, Dhammasara Nuns Monastery, Jhana Grove is special in the world. It's not much, not many places like it. And they see the place, or they hear about it, and they want to get their checkbooks out. It's inspirational, it's beautiful. And it's not as if they are, feel that they are being pressured. There's sometimes that my background, especially from Ajahn Chah, you know, you just don't like pressuring people for anything at all. I'd rather sort of starve than ask someone for some food. That's just my nature. But nevertheless, it's just so wonderful when you inspire people and people say, no, thank you, thank you for the opportunity. There's something beautiful growing in that. And that inspires me when I see that. You see the beauty in the Dhamma where people just get this incredible joy and happiness of giving, of serving, of being part of something wonderful and seeing... And all of you monks and nuns who are here this evening, and all of the, the other people, the novices and anagarikas, and all you anagarikas who get a bit tired of serving in the kitchen, can't you see the joy which you give to all these lay people? Can't you understand why they come and ask you, when are you going to ordain? When are you going to ordain? Can I give you the robes and the bowl? Can I be your sponsor? You know, what, what do you want to sponsor me for? If you knew what was going on in my head when I go back to my room, <laughs> no, don't think like that. They see something inspiring. It's so hard for you to look at yourself and to see how inspiring you are to other people. But it's true. You're doing a great job. And when you realize that, then that just makes you do an even better job. And whenever you start criticizing yourself or looking down, you go further down, you go deeper into negativity and then you just do deeper bad things. But when you look upon that beautiful side of yourself and get inspired by it, it just makes you do more good things, more great things. Your precepts become easier to keep. How do you keep precepts anyway? For those of you starting out on this monastic journey. And how you keep precepts is not through negativity. Nothing, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that, I'm your bad anagarika if I break this rule or break that rule. That is not how it works. You'll never be able to keep the rules that way. You keep them through inspiration. See the beauty of actually living this monastic life in its purity, of not accepting any money or eating in the afternoon or whatever it is. It's beautiful, you get inspired by it and you inspire other people. And it's just the sheer joy of it drives you on. Why do you keep precepts? For the fun of it. 
And that's actually how it works. Well, I've been a, I've been a monk for almost 40 years now for the fun of it. The joy, the happiness, that is what drives you. This emotional high, you know, the anawajasukha, as the Buddha called it, which you get out of being a pure, virtuous, good, kind, generous, helpful person. And okay, sometimes people like to talk about higher dhammas and anatta dependent origination, but look, we've got to sort of start from the power source, the the root, the ground, you know, watch these, the soil in which these great trees of Dhamma and the fruits which come from them sort of <coughs> are rooted in. And that's just the inspiration and joy and happiness. So it don't matter what you've achieved, what you haven't achieved during this last three months. If you've been inspired, if you've been happy and you've got this joy and you see, this is a wonderful thing to be part of. Brilliant. That is enough. Because out of that soil of happiness and inspiration and gratitude for all the other people who made this happen, I'm grateful for each one of you. Hopefully you're grateful to me as well. I was just at the tea time, just, I don't know how I got onto that question or that uh, topic, but I was just thinking about just the years we've spent building this place. And just the hard work it all was, creating this place. I've got so much gratitude to all the donors and all the other monks, some of them never made it, they disrobed, who built your huts, the wall, toilets, got it all together, repaired it, built it up again. Just endless work. You know, of course, I've been done more than my fair share, but I'm grateful for that. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. I wouldn't have missed that for the world. It's a beautiful being part of these things. It does give you happiness and joy. I know that sometimes in that, I think it's the Sandaka Sutta, where, <coughs> I could get this wrong, where it has the, Ananda I think was saying, or well, I think it was a Buddha saying to Ananda, I'm a bit tired so I've got a good excuse for getting these things confused. But he did actually say that the consolations of monastic life is when you get the bliss of the jhanas. I remember, I think Ajahn Bhumari was actually saying, hang on, maybe there's more to it than that. And more to it than that than just actually being as part of something, part of this beautiful virtue. You get Anawajasukha. That's a consolation. The beautiful happiness of living a virtuous life. The joy and happiness of service, of being helping other people, doing something which is wonderful and good in this world whether it's just starting Sutta Central or whatever it is you're doing. You know, you're actually contributing. And that gives a Sukha happiness, which gives consolation in the life as well. But it's not just consolation. It, that drives you deeper and further. For all of those people who just aspire for the highest, for the ending of all suffering, for the attainment of Nibbana, this is the essence of it. You know, as those people who are just working at that apartment, you just can't paint over a grotty ceiling. You know, you've got to take it out. You've got to do it, do it properly. It's the same way with just, you can't just sit there and meditate and think that you can paint over all these defilements on this lack of, of power from, you know, the emotional highs of gratitude, generosity, compassion and stuff. You've got to get the ground done first of all. 
And once you've got the groundwork done, you know, it really is something solid you can paint on and make it look nice. Then you can get into the beautiful meditations and get the incredible insights of the Dhamma, which are amazing. You can get the bliss of happiness in deep meditation. And it starts blowing you away. And where does it have its origin? It has the origin in being able to let go? How do you let go? The question which everybody keeps on asking me, this over in Malaysia and Singapore, yeah, we, we, we get it, we have to let go, but how do you do that? By delighting in virtue, by generating the appreciation of gratitude. Thank you so much for everybody you know, who contributes in one way or the other, who's cleaned the toilets which I sit on. You know, who's, <coughs> who's changed the, the toilet roll so I've got something to wipe my bum when I go there. All these people have done all this stuff. And when you develop that, that's a, a part of letting go of this terrible, terrible negativity and fault-finding of common life. That's what happens when people come up to you and they've got all their problems. They're just fault-finding don't care whether it's with your wife, with your husband, with your job, with your health, with whatever it is. You people come and ask you these terrible problems and want counselling and just want to, you to solve all their problems. That's the main problem there. It's that negativity which is right there in the human being, the defilements. And when that, <coughs> and how do you let that one go? Just by that substitution of the beautiful emotions, the inspirations, and there's so much to be inspired by, you know, in this Buddhist monasticism. So I go overseas, yeah, I work my butt off, but you get so inspired. And that's, you know, why I come back physically exhausted, but mentally just so high. You know, it's not drugs I've been on, they didn't feed me sort of ecstasy, they did actually give me ecstasy in Singapore and Malaysia, but not the drug the ecstasy of Dhamma. And that's a high which you get up, get, get, get onto. I always remember that anecdote, maybe a long time since I said it, but that's what happens, you associate in your mind when you give Dhamma talks. When uh, oh, that monk Ajahn Kema Dhamma, he had managed to talk his way into getting a Buddha statue in one of the prisons over in uh, UK. And I just happened to be there and there's lots of monks invited for the opening ceremony of putting the first Buddha statue into a, a UK prison grounds. <coughs> and I remember doing the, the typical Buddhist ceremony of circumambulating that prison, that, not that prison, sorry, circumambulating the Buddha statue three times with candles and incense. And I was getting so inspired and high. This is a Buddha statue in a prison. Wow, it's incredible just what was happening here. And now I know the power of a Buddha is seeing that as a symbol of peace, of freedom, forgiveness, compassion, real compassion, enlightenment, the whole works. It's brilliant. <coughs> brilliant. So as I was going around, I don't go around thinking about what am I going to have for dinner the next night or what's on the TV or who's winning the football. That doesn't go into my mind. I was just getting so inspired by just what this means. And I was so high, so happy. 
Now, Rob might know this. Is always prisoners go and check out what's going on. There was a free feast afterwards done by the Thai people. That's probably why they were there. But I remember these couple of prisoners were watching me. I saw them out the out the corner of my eye, and they pointed to me, and I could hear one of them say, "That monk's on the gear," <laughs> which meant I was taking drugs. You know, and, and these were guys who knew what they're talking about as far as, you know, that type of illegal substances are concerned. And that's the only way they could actually understand this happiness which I had at the time. I mean, it's not, it's not, don't need the chemicals. They have something even better than that, purer than that. And that's what drives you, that energizes you. It means it's so hard to get upset and angry, whatever happens in life. Yeah, there's always, you know, differences of opinion about you know, what antivirus we should have and what plant to plant here and you know what, what <coughs> tree to take down or to leave. All that stuff. That's the stuff of the world. But the inspiration and the happiness and the joy, that is something which is totally monastic and beautiful, brilliant and Buddhist. The other stuff is part of the world. You see that in companies, you see that in families. But there's beautiful forgiveness and kindness and respect and joy and happiness. That is what I really like and why I live this monastic life. One of the reasons why it inspires you, it uplifts you, it gives you incredible happiness. And people can have differences of opinion with you, they could tell you you've made mistakes and sometimes I have, but you don't, you don't get upset by it. You get, in, you know, just inspiration just basically turns anything into this beautiful happiness. And that means you just never get the defilements, greed, because a lot of time the greed or the lust, what's lust about? Why do you get into lust or fantasies? It's just an escape from suffering. The mind is not happy, so it just gets cheap thrills. You know, things which are just easy just to put in the mind and give you a tiny bit of fake happiness. And it's only because you've got suffering. If you get inspired, you don't need any of that. So please always remember to have this wonderful sense of gratitude and kindness and, and being in awe of all the incredible, wonderful things which we're doing here and in Dhammasara, also in Santi as well. All these places, it's damn hard work, but it's worth it. You get so much energy and happiness back. That's the virya of the Eightfold Path. That beautiful effort and energy which brings this happiness, it's not done to achieve things, it's just done because it needs to be done out of this emotional high of giving. That is how to let go. And that's what you do when you meditate as well. You sit there and just meditate just for the sake of doing it. Just grateful just to be here in this moment. And seeing the beautiful joy. Amazing, you've come, you're a Buddhist monk, you're a nun. If you <coughs> haven't ordained yet, you're in this monastery, you're in Dhammasara. That really is historic. They'll be writing books about that in the future. You're part of that. And when you really get your head around that, what's really happening, that just blows all the defilements out. You get so happy, so ins so inspired, if you let yourself, if you follow your rational mind, it will just destroy everything. 
follow your emotional mind. And then it's so easy to get into the deep meditations. Mind blisses out so easily. Because it's inclined towards that bliss. It accepts the power of that happiness. Understands it. And uses it. When the mind is happy, it becomes so still. You don't need all the anger and the and the fantasies. You've got your own happiness. You don't need to fake it with the false plastic happiness of sex or <coughs> power or whatever else you dream about. It's pure. It uplifts you and you just you're so content, you're happy. And you got energy. Sloth and torpor are just not there anymore. It's incredible, I'm just just talking like this. I'm high now. Well, I don't know where my, my, you know, some of you saw me before, I was just exhausted, you know, almost dead. Well, not quite that bad, but, you know, getting there. But now you're just so inspired, and that inspiration is what you use to get jhanas. You're just watching this breath in this moment, and then nothing moves. Nothing moves because you don't want to agitate anything. Everything's just so beautiful, so happy. And that happiness just grows. It feeds into the mind, into the jitter. And so just the jitter becomes brilliant. Sort of, you know, as soon as you give it half the chance, you know, just you watch that jitter because you know, all the other stuff is just, just not a problem. And it just is brilliant. It's radiant. And you see these incredible limiters in your meditation. They're more powerful than the sun, the sort of stuff I keep on saying, you don't know how you can ever take so much bliss. And you do, because you're used to it. You just get in there. Before you know it, you're just in this pure bliss, this happiness, which is so powerful. Just, what's it called? Um, Stainless happiness. It's just pure stuff. And it feels that it's pure stuff. It feels right. It's, you know, this is the sort of stuff which is supposed to be part of that spiritual path. <coughs> it's selfless. All this selfless, self stuff, it always it stays. It's mucky, it's yucky when there's a me involved. But when it's total letting go into the bliss, it feels so pure. You can just realize, intuit that this is the stuff which you're supposed to be experiencing. You just let it happen. You have a great time, the time of your life. And then afterwards, you just, you figure it all out. It's so obvious. You've got such a powerful image in front of you. It's such an obvious sort of experience. It's, it's, you can't miss it. About the Dhamma, about things like we just chanted, about the body, the feeling, perception, thoughts, will, and consciousness, just not being mine. It's so obvious. This is why we need that power. For meditation you see the Dhamma. From the stillness you see things as they truly are. It's how to get to that stillness. And how you get to that, <coughs> that stillness is inspire the defilements out of you. And you can all do that. You've done such a great, great, great job over the last three months. Remember that. You've done more than was asked of you. More than is expected. 
Remember that. All you people who have just all these jobs and services you've done. Thank you. Use that. Bliss out and become free. That's the talk for this evening. On the mind of Varakataya Sadhakam, the Dhamma Sadhakam, Very good, thank you.